Hello, welcome to Explain Conversations. But first, introduce yourself. I'm Ezra. I'm Ruby. I'm Mark. And I'm Sunim. That's Cutie Intro. It's episode seven, and by by now, and if you want to listen more to our previous episodes and keeping updated to what we're up to, uh, we are available on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts, and also、uh, check us out on Instagram and Explain Conversations. But anyway, let's just move on from here.、Uh, for this episode, what are we going to talk about? So Mark gave us a video to watch, and it was Steve Harvey on religion and spirituality. We were watching it as a team, and surprisingly, we heard Steve Harvey, who calls himself a Christian, went to pray with his son in a mosque in Dubai, and said that there are many ways that leads to God. And embracing various beliefs at the same time is like watching TV with one thousand shows or channels. I know that the video was published weeks ago, but if we go back to the episode we did on progressive Christianity, it somewhat relates, in the sense that progressive Christianity. Embraces the idea that the Bible isn't the only book of truth about God, but there are other books that speak the same. Sadly, there are many Christians who believe that all roads lead to God, or at least there are many roads to God apart from Christianity. Which means Steve Harvey isn't the only person to have said it. Wow, I I get what you're talking about, and um. I agree that a lot of Christians today, especially the Gen Xs, the Gen Ys,、uh, ultimately the Gen Zs,、uh, they would deconstruct the Christian faith, and then they starting to put Christianity out of the concept of religion, and then they call it spirituality, and that very deconstruction leads to another、uh, deconstruction that proposes the agenda that Christianity、uh, isn't just the only truth, as many other beliefs have a different interpretation of God and somewhat. Uh, they share similarities to Christian,、uh, to the Christian faith, and so、uh, no matter how different it looks, like it still leads to God. So therefore, to them, Christianity isn't the only truth, as other beliefs would have the same truth. So,、uh, Mark and Serna, what what would you guys say about this? Oh, I have plenty to say about this. My goodness. <laughs> oh dear, I am disappointed, though I'm not surprised.、Um, When I think about what Steve Harvey said about how there are like a thousand religions, like a thousand channels, but in the end, it all leads to the one common entertainment.、Uh, that to me is selfish. That to me is very self-centered. That does not put God at the first point. It puts him at the last point. He's the entertainer, and we are therefore the the people that seeks to be entertained. But there, and so that is the root of my disappointment. What I am, but the reason why I'm not surprised. Is because I remember some years ago we were、uh, invited to a forum about faith, about faith in the future, talking about the connected generation, and not surprisingly,、uh, we see a trend that is happening in today's uh, postmodern uh, millennial generation, and what they basically say is、um, they believe that they are spiritual people, but they are not. They do not wish to affiliate to any religion in particular. Because well, I don't blame them on one point because half of it is they do not 
trust religions in terms of its structure, there are things that are coming out, scandals that makes them feel a little sus about the situation. But uh, the other half of it is that there is now a change of perception of worldview. So Faith um, Forum, which is uh, a forum that was done by Barna Group in collaboration with World Vision, they actually found out that the perception of worldview in the millennial generation is very different. So a worldview in the classical sense would say that truth is the objective point and then our moral applications be, uh, become subjective. That is why, uh, take the Christian faith, for example, we have denominations galore. We will have different practices. We have different moral applications. Some abstain meat, some do not. Some believe in fellowship, some believe in fasting, some believe in sacraments, some believe in ordinances. There are moral applications into what we do, how we dress is different from one place to another. What's the definition of worship? It's all different. That's more applications. But the objective truth is we believe in one God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. We believe in his son, Jesus Christ, conceived through the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, crucified, crucified and died for our sins. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended to heaven and sits on the right hand throne of our Lord. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the forgiveness of sins, repentance, believers, and life everlasting. So that's a simple paraphrase, Apostles' Creed. But the new generation, the millennial generation, they turn it upside down because they cannot see the value of truth in religion. They then make that truth subjective and they put more value in moral objectivity. Now they are coming from the angles that, yeah, everybody must believe that life is precious. Everyone must believe that uh, the human rights is supreme. Everyone must believe that the... Uh, that there, are such, there is such a thing for animal rights and uh, critical race theory and so on and so forth. And therefore, those religions who speak a truth that does not assimilate or affiliate or is similar to their uh, moral objectivity, they would then disregard it straight away. This is dangerous. And, we would, and I'll be happy to talk more about that later. But uh, yeah, this is the topsy-turvy millennial generation that really receives uh, stuff that Steve Harvey had just said when it comes to entertainment. Yeah. Yeah, actually, actually what, whatever we heard from Steve Harvey is actually nothing new. Uh, in fact, all these anti-credo uh, movements uh, started itself after the post-Reformation era, you know, uh, especially, uh, you know, with the rise of rationalism and enlightenment movement and whatnot people started having distrust and uh, started having a dislike towards, they, they call this uh, having creeds and authori authoritarian structure of sort, which, which is nothing surprising for, for us today. And it, that's why when I watched that video, I was like, mm, eh, there's nothing new. I mean, the only new thing is that he's finally making it public about it, like in a sense, telling people what's going on. I mean, unfortunately, all this, all these things that we are witnessing is nothing more than just Romans 1, 18 to, 30, 18 to 32 in action, suppressing the truth in unrighteousness, you know, in saying, in, in saying all God's lead leads to the same, uh, you know, all religion leads to the same God. It all ends up in, in the same destination. Well, in actual fact, you know, they, they know that's not quite the case given they've not studied all religion in the you know 
properly in its own context, in its own uh, significance and its own meaning. And they've not really probed and really studied into Christianity in, in a very deep, deep fashion as well. And to, re to really come to understand the core message of, uh, of the Christian religion as well. So, so there's definitely a lot for us to unpack today, this conversation. I'm, and I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and as much as we enjoy the conversations, uh, I enjoy the fact that in every episode, uh, I get to play an advocate, like a devil's advocate. So uh, allow me for another round. So when we study religions and then we compare them to Christianity, um, I would say that there are few similarities and some religions even uh, portray a monotheistic view and salvation narrative uh, similar to Christianity. Uh, for instance, uh, the cult of Mithras uh, in Persia. Uh, and, and then there are messianic narratives that you can find even in the Eastern religion that are uh, like high likely similar to uh, the narratives in the book of Isaiah or the book of Joel, uh, uh, even the book of Daniel. Uh, and, and that means there is a truth about God in another religion and I can embrace them as freely as Christianity. Um, am I right on that? If not, why? Well, all truth is God's truth. And so the issue is not really to do with the existence of truth, but rather the origins of truth. So when you see good things or, or similar things that reflect the Christian faith, we should not be surprised because what do we say in the Psalms? The heavens declare the glory of God, the firm of the earth displays his handiwork. So when we look at creation, we cannot help but look at God. And a lot of the ancient religions is actually a reflection on nature. So we may look at that in terms of general revelation. And this is what I believe God is doing in all religions, uh, in that he is making himself, uh, uh, he is revealing himself to the, to the globe, to the world. And people will either have to choose the true God or a shadow of a God, or, may, or they may even choose themselves as God, as what this generation tends to do. What is therefore important is that there's this, special, there's this thing in the Christian faith we call special revelation. And, this, and the special revelation, therefore, is what God has revealed in his son, Jesus. So it's one thing to say that, yes, we can find God everywhere. But when God himself gives a definition of a specific revelation and route towards him, when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, we are then left without a choice, but actually face him directly and uh, it's quite interesting for my personal journey in looking at comparative religions every religion has a very positive response or positive take on jesus you know so one religion will call him a prophet one religion will call him a reincarnate of a deity um, one religion will call him a uh, uh, god in god revealed in the form of an avatar but never would they call him the unique and exclusive way of God, vision of God, and route towards God. So, yeah, that's why I take on the idea that, yes, you can find God in different religions, but you will never see the fullness of God until you see Jesus face to face. Yeah, Mark, Mark actually pre pretty much summed it very much, especially what he said at the beginning, all truth belongs to God himself, because ultimately at the end of the day, 
God is the one who created the universe. All things comes from him, through him and for him. But the only issue is uh, with our hum- human sin. And it's important for us to remember what sin is. You know, it is not any form of uh, thing in and of itself. We have to remember sin, sin and sinfulness and all things in this world, uh, given that we are living at the state of fallenness, is actually deformity of what once was. You know, everything that God created good. Uh, when sin came in, everything was in a way deformed. It's devoid of its original form in and of itself. So that is why wherever we go, in whatever religion uh, we look at, there, are, there, there will definitely be certain aspects of truth in it. And, uh, you know, when you, when, you go, when, when you look at different, different religions, you definitely see, hear something along the lines of loving your own neighbor, you know, albeit, albeit in a different language or said in a different form, or that there will also be other commands like, you know, to love your family, to love your parents, you know, to honor them, to honor authority. Now, all these things are in a sense, not inherently, uh, it's not inherently their own religion because all these things ultimately is being revealed by God himself. Like what Mark mentioned in general revelation in all places revealed to everything, all of them in all places, like what Romans uh, chapter one verses 18 revealed, revealed to us, uh, you know, he has made himself known. So, and in this manner, uh, he has also uh, written his laws in the hearts of everyone as a, as Paul tells us in Romans chapter 2 as well. So the issue is with sin, you know, when, when they take all of God's created things and all of God's mandate and twisted it and make it look similar to what once was, you see. And, and I really like how, uh, how Tolkien actually uh, portrayed this, you know, it, for, for, for some of the Tolkien fans here, your would be, your would, aware that orcs are actually not new creation per se but it is actually deformity of elves and the the underlying thing is that Morgoth himself can never create anything good you know but all he can do is just take what was once good and twist it and deform it to something else so from elves who are who were once such a beautiful race become something so you know if you watch the movie, something so disgusting, something so cruel and something so mean and far, far from the majesty of El, the likes of Elrond, Galadriel or even Legolas. Yeah. So this is what sin does and this is what sin did to all humans. That is why in some sense, there are still certain truths, but they are not complete. In the sense, they are all deformed and we can never see the true fullness of it until and unless uh, Jesus comes and redeems and also renew everything upon his second coming. So it, it leads to another another idea here is that uh, during the age of uh, rationalism as well, it came, uh, it eventually evolved into uh, this this philosophy called the post-modernism, uh, where you basically destructure destructuralize or deconstruct everything, including a definitive. Uh, so some definitions and linguistics ideas. Um, and so the question is always be like, what is truth? Uh, and how do we discern truth? And 
and this leads to to this very reflection that I think uh, our listeners would want to know is that what makes Christianity the truth? Uh, I mean, going back into the idea of special revelation, as Mark uh, addressed earlier on, what makes Christianity that uh, particular special or the truth in the midst of other religions having the same conviction as well? Well, let me first start by defining when we say the truth, what do we mean by it? We mean truth by an analytical sense. Analytical sense meaning we can observe uh, something that is objective, relevant, relative, and it corresponds, uh, it corresponds and is cohesive. So when we say all dentists are doctors, you see, and not all doctors are dentists, you know, as, com- as compared to what the millennial generation and postmoderns will take, they will take a synthetic approach. So they will say all doctors are rich. But if you ask any public servant doctor right now, they beg to defer. And also it's very subjective. So we mean truth, we say, we mean by the analytical sense. And by analytical sense, history also layers onto this. That being said, uh, I love the way Craig Hazen, uh, the director of Biola University's uh, apologetics uh, uh, school, and he actually gives four reasons why Christianity is the truth. First of all, Christianity is the truth because it's testable. You can look into history, you can look into archaeology, you can look into philosophy, you can look into um, uh, uh, the trademarks that we see in geography, you know, and we can also see the effect of it be happening even today. There's a cohesiveness from history and archaeology from which we see from then until now. As time goes on, even with COVID, um, there's still plenty of archaeological discovery that's happening that affirms the biblical world, not just the worldview, but biblical world that's, that, it, that has happened in ancient Israel. Uh, And therefore, we see the platform of where Jesus actually uh, died, rose again, uh, and the point of impact of what has happened. The second reason why I would say Christianity is the truth is because you will find a cohesive and coherent worldview. Uh, Especially when it comes to the question of evil and suffering, I find the Christian faith has a much more comprehensive understanding towards uh, evil and suffering as compared to other faiths and religions and worldviews. Um, the third thing I can think about is um, uh, for the Christian faith, uh, salvation is a free gift of God up front. Every other religion insists on you need to do something in order for you to get salvation. Whereas for the Christian faith, salvation is first and foremost. And why is that important? It is important is because if, it's, if there's a precondition to the reality which the religion is defining, then there is no certainty uh, of ever getting that sort of def- definitive um, uh, state of mind, eternity, nirvana. There's no, there's no way of telling. Whereas the Christian faith, they say, they say salvation is first and foremost a gift of God to you, full stop. That means you can actually experience a reality of who God is in today's, in today's reality, analytically before you. Uh, finally, the reason why you consider Christianity is uh, consider, why you will consider Christianity to be the truth is because Christianity uh, focuses and centralizes Jesus. Now, of course, you may tell me, isn't that what Christians do? I'm like, yes, there is what Christians do. And it, it does make us unique, but it also makes us more crucially important and should be taken seriously because 
every other religion, as I said earlier, they have a perception about Jesus. And the only reason why they have a perception about Jesus is because they also believe that Jesus is real. And if Jesus is really real, we have to consider not just who he is, but also what he said and what he's done. And the only faith that takes that analytical truth of what Jesus said and what Jesus done and what Jesus was witnessed to have be, to be is the Christian faith. So that's why I would take Christianity to be the truth. You know, Sanam, please go ahead and add on if I miss out on anything, but I find that to be sufficiently comprehensive. I mean, unfortunately, uh, your, your, I find your answer really comprehensive, actually, because ultimately... Uh, Christ is the Christ is the revelation which God Himself has shown. You see, because from from the Old Testament, you see, we see God acting in history, showing Himself to be true. And of course, the climax of all those things, like what Mark mentioned, uh, it climaxed and it reached its apex in Christ, His life, His death, and His resurrection. And of course, there are many more aspects of it, like his second return, you know, where he comes back and makes things, all things new. And we can also be assured all these things to be true because his, he has given his spirit. His spirit of truth is now living in each and every one of us, those of us who placed our faith in him. And by all these things, we can have certainty that all these things are true. And we can also tell the world of all this we can also tell the world about the truthfulness of all these things that that has been revealed to all of us in light of nature and his word that has been uh, you know hand, handed down from so many years ago yeah right um let's kind of like jump back into the video that we watch uh the the steve harvey's conviction that all roads uh, lead to god um in, in fact he isn't the first person uh to say that uh i would say oprah winfrey jack kenville uh, some influential christian figures like marcus Bort of uh infamous jesus seminar and then yeah father richard or uh these people happen to be a proponent uh, of what we call contemplative Christianity. And then, uh, and then even Pope Francis himself actually advocated for um, the same worldview that you don't basically need to be a Christian or to be, to, you know, to, to embrace the Lord Jesus Christ as a personal Lord and savior that the next year you're saved and, and you go to heaven. So if you get to kind of like respond to them openly, or publicly, what would you say to that? I can think of tons of things to say to that. And just like Oprah Winfrey and Marcus Borg, uh, Richard Rohr, uh, they have not said anything new. Uh, the Christians, the evangelical Christians actually has not said anything new. Uh, we've had John MacArthur in those days, 90s. We had John Piper. We had David Platt. We had Francis Chan. Very, very specific, very, very evangelical in our response. And so um, I don't want to, to speak the same things over what they'll say. I'll say from a very personal experience point of view, from observing Steve Harvey's uh, illustration and how he tried to picture everything, how there's unity together, you know, um, he mentioned in the video that there is a church on one side and over there, there's another side, there's a mosque. They share a parking lot because uh, on Fridays, that's when the Muslims will use it fully. And then on Sundays, that's when the Christians will use it fully. And so seeing that 
the the most in, uh, busy days for them on different days. Therefore, therefore, they can use the same car park. And then they also mentioned that the mosque is uh, named the mosque of uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus. Now, they have no issues about naming the mosque Mary, mother of Jesus. They believe in Mary, the mother of Jesus. If Jesus was to come on this earth, they would have a mother. He would have a mother and his mother's name is Mary. Okay. And so there is no controversy there. And of course, for Steve Harvey being an American, says, oh, wow, to see the name Jesus on a mosque to them is new. But actually, it's not really new to the Islamic faith and to the Christian faith. And so he may see that as unity, but we all know that that is not true unity. That is unity by, um, unity by compromise or there is unity by, um, sorry, what's the word? Unity by, ah, sorry. So what we do know for a fact is that that may display unity in the eyes of Steve Harvey, but it is actually unity by accommodation. They accommodate to each other, but they don't really converge or meet each other. I would like to see true unity happen in the form that uh, the Christians can actually go to the mosque and worship there on a Sunday, or the mosque or the Islamic community can use the church on the Friday to worship, to, to worship there. Then there is true unity. But what we do see here is that they share the same car park, but the pinnacle or the places of worship is still different. And even for Pope Francis, for uh, all these other people, they may say that, yes, we want to unite and they invite for these cordial interactions, but there is really tr no true unity until we everybody is able to worship the same being at the same time, at the same place, in the same one voice. And that analytically is not possible because God is not an abstract thought. God is not a synthetic thought. God is an objective thought. He has revealed himself in history and therefore he reveals himself in totality. Uh, we Therefore, to all these people who are saying these things, uh, they're not revealing the full truth, in my opinion. Yeah, unfortunately, that's, that's very true. Okay, what Mark mentioned. But I, I, if I were to be able to respond to any one of them, I, I think Pope Francis would be quite an interesting case, given, given that, you know, we as Christians, Protestants, Protestant Christians, we are supposed to hold on to this supposedly same creed, like the Apostle Creed, then the Nicene Creed, the Chalcedonian Creed, you know, the, and all the, the, and the rest of the ecumenical creeds. You know, it'd be quite interesting to speak from speak with him from this angle, alongside with, you know, with the likes of uh, the medieval doctors, like for example, uh, the likes of Bonaventure or even Thomas Aquinas and and whatnot. Because I think all these people, they, you know, the Catholic Church do have high regard for them, and it would be quite interesting, especially for him, to 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 engage with him about. Thomas's Aquinas's ideas about the Turks, you know, and today we know them as um, Muslims, because uh, we 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 all know Aquinas was, you know, they Aquinas held on to the exclusivity of uh, of the of the triune God and Jesus as as Lord and Savior. So, so if I were to be able to respond, I think I think. It, that would be a great conversation and a great place to start and 
interact with him in in this subject from this perspective? Um, honestly, when I look at the whole all road leads to God, you know, this picture in my mind, the remnants of it, I think it kind of reminds me of Baha'u'llah, you know, from the Baha'i faith. So Baha'u'llah was the so-called prophet who came to start off a new religion. And so for Christians who claim that all roads lead to God, they I sometimes I be I sometimes I think they shouldn't call themselves Christians, you know, it's, it's a sad truth. But they should declare themselves, you know, a, a totally new faith. Why do you think they don't realize this? So this is the irony of inclusivism. Inclusivism then assumes that they are Christian, they are Muslim, they are Hindus, they are Buddhists, and this you and this sort of mixture and cohesive or or cohabitation of these sort of worldviews and religions from ancient days are able to live together under one roof and be called Baha'i and be called Baha'i. And what and so in their opinion, whether you call if you call yourself Christian, you are Baha'i. If you call yourself Muslim, you are Baha'i, you know. And they believe inclusivism should be everybody. Baha'i does not exclude anyone. And they are inclusivists. But there's an irony towards the inclusivism. And the irony towards the inclusivism is that uh, it falls to pieces as soon as one of the other faiths say, I will only accept my own faith. So if you ask Baha'i faith, would you accept a faith that only reveals or only believes in one faith to be the truth? They're not so inclusivist anymore. They will end up saying, nope, this, uh, uh, we can't accept this. You know, we have to be inclusive. You got to include everyone. If you don't include everyone, you cannot be part of us. I'm like, oh, okay. What happened to their inclusivism? And the reason that, because there's an irony here. In fact, there's a falsehoodness in terms of, in terms of inclusivity. There is no such thing as pure inclusivism. You see, what we can do on the other hand is that we can mutually respect we can cohabitate or we can uh, have a, uh, an environment of respect and love towards one another, recognizing that we are from different faiths. That doesn't stop us from loving one another. But there are some objective truths which we hold dear, which cannot be uh, compromised, nor can it be negotiated. Yeah, so that will be the reason why that's that irony or why, you know, Baha'i faith will then call itself Christians, you know, and the Christian faith, oh, Christianity accepts everybody for God to love the world, right? Right? But the problem is that the later part of for God to love the world that he gave his one only son also talks about that anyone who believes in him, only him, will not perish but have eternal life. And that is the issue at hand here to be able to show them the real the reality of the exclusiveness and sufficiency of jesus alone uh but because they don't take that seriously they then put that in one corner and try and say oh yeah everyone is saved or everyone is accepted full stop yeah and the, the only reason i can think why they would say such thing is is because of pure ignorance and and I, I dare even say because they do not know the gospel or they do not know the fullness of, of what the gospel demands of their life and what 
are the implications of the gospel as as well, especially Jesus Christ, the only one, the the only Son of God, you know, who came and died for, and to you know to die for the world. So for whoever believes in Him will have eternal life. You see, the fact that Jesus Himself said, you know, whoever believes in Him, you know, that is Christ Jesus, will shall not perish but have eternal life. But the irony, like, and adding on more ironies. Uh, Jesus never said anything about believing, you know, believing in other entities from Jesus himself, from our Lord himself. He said he is the only way, the truth, and the life. So it really seems and it really occurs to me that these so-called Christians are really deluded. It's either, it's either they were deluded by the fact that, uh, you know, by, by the fact that they were not taught properly by by unfaithful preachers, or or they are just you know, they they are, they are just uh, looking for something new, as as what Paul would describe in Second Timothy, uh, people wanting to hear hear things that that really suits their ear, and by that they, they make a shipwreck of their own faith. So that seems to be the case to me. It it could be either one, or it could be both of these things together, and it's really our responsibility as the church to. To, to really disciple these people and uh, not just, not just, uh, you know, ask why is it that they don't realize this? Of course, it's important. Don't get me wrong. It's not that I'm reluctant to answer this. Yeah. But we have a role to play because Christ himself uh, in Matthew chapter 28 tells us to go out, you know, go forth and make disciples of all nations, teaching him all that uh, we have taught. I mean, he has taught us. So, Whenever us as the church we fail to uh, take the command of our the commands of our Lord Himself seriously, uh, this is the result which we will reap. Unfortunately, yeah. So why why is it they don't realize this? This could be some of the reasons among many more. Yeah, it's just my suspicion and my guess. Do you see other God, uh, other roads to God in the Bible? Or is this idea coming from people's own logic and desire for other ways? Which reminds me of um, 2 Timothy 4 verse 3. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers who say what their itching ears want to hear. So, care to share your thoughts? Sure. Um the quick answer to it is no. Now, at the same time, a lot of emotions come up, especially for those who are Christians, but then their parents or their family or ancestors never had the chance to hear the gospel because it was never reached to them. Uh, so what do we say about that? That's, the, that's usually the, the, the challenge that's given to me. And my answer to them is very simple. The gospel is for the living, those who are alive here. As long as we are alive, we then hold an account towards God and we must do our very best to share the truth of the gospel in Jesus Christ. For those who have moved on, who has passed on, they're in the hands of God. However, he displays his mercy, it's up to him. But what we do know for sure is if you, cons- if you are alive today and you have the opportunity to hear Christ, we are, you are therefore responsible for the outcome of your decisions. And it reminds me of, uh, of a scenario uh, from here. Actually, not a scenario, a survey. 
So I saw a survey on Facebook and it was going around. I'm not sure whether it's real or not, although if it's real, I'm not surprised. Uh, but a survey was given to the atheist community in, I forgot, was it the States or was it in another country? I can't remember. But the question was, if God appeared to you face-to-face entirely, would you believe in him? And 87% of the vote still said no. Now that's ironic uh, and is very consistent with 2 Timothy 4 verse 3, whereby the atheist always demands for evidence, evidence, evidence. The postmodernists say, show me, show me, show me. But if we poise the, the hypothetical question that if we could actually show you God and his face and his, and his being and we can confirm that he is God, would you then believe him? They would still say no. So it goes to show that what R.C. Sproul said before was right. The reason why they would not believe in God is because they do not want a God that will judge them, that would, uh, that would uh, prosecute them, not persecute them, but prosecute them rightfully for the wrongs they have done. Because if God is real, then they have much to be accounted for. You see? Now, of course, they don't know of the gracious work of God through Jesus Christ. But even if we give it to them, they don't want to believe it anyway, which is such a pity. Uh, so that will be my thoughts about that. And the Bible says very clearly that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to, to the Father except through me. So Jesus is demanding a very exclusive, exclusive route. And so I believe that while we're still alive and able to make that choice, we should make that choice and make that choice reverently, full, uh, fully, full sobriety, and diligently and urgently because it costs us our life. Because if, if not, and if we receive it, it costs his life. And I think that's what we can hold on to uh, for all eternity. Yeah. And, and of course, like Mark, you see, uh, I don't see any other roads to God in the Bible. You know, there's only one way. That's, that's of course, a true Christ and Christ alone and no, no one else, nowhere else and no one else and nothing else, you know. Uh, so, and yeah, what Ruby said is very true, uh, especially what remind, it reminds her of, uh, you know, she mentioned that it reminds her of uh, what Paul mentioned in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3. You know, uh, yeah, this was the verse that I was trying to recall earlier, but of course I couldn't recall the exact chapter and verse. And it is true that people these days, they, they just want to listen to things that suits their own desires. And unfortunately, a lot of what they what they want, what they want to hear, and their desires are heavily influenced by, by, by the power of Satan and ultimately the power of sin. And that causes them to come out, come out with all these kind of so-called novel ideas of what religion is and of what Christianity is. And ultimately, it doesn't conform itself to what God has objectively revealed beyond them. Because if you notice in all these things, there are a lot of subjectivity in, in place, you know, where they, where, where they say, oh, this is how we feel things are supposed to be like. We are supposed to be more inclusive. We, we are supposed to be more loving. The irony is that they are shifting the objectivity from God's revelation to themselves. And instead of letting God Allow, instead of uh, letting God be the arbiter of what truth is, they themselves 
their itching ears and their evil desires have actually become the arbit- arbiter of uh, what it's supposed to be. So the subjective aspect of things became, you know, be, ultimately be, becomes the object to which all things are supposed to conform towards and which Mark kind, kind of uh, brought up earlier, especially from, from the moral perspective. But, but in, in, in this, uh, more, in this uh, theological pr- uh, perspective, they, they will conform God according to their own image and this kind of reminds me of uh, what St- Stephen Tong said, you see. Uh, this is what he said in Mandarin, and of course I'll translate it for those who, who can understand Mandarin. This is what he said. Meaning, a true human is like God, but a fake God is like human, right? The true God would create man, but a fake, a counterfeit God is created by man. The true God looks for man, you know, to redeem, to redeem man in, in that context, you see. But a counterfeit God is being founded by man. So if there's any, if there's any takeaway, I, I hope our hearers will take heed of this uh, between the true God and the counterfeit God. And... And it's also a call for us to examine ourselves, yeah, to see if we are, uh, if we are just listening to things according to what our itching ears want to hear, yeah, because this is this is a matter of importance for our soul and for our eternal life, and if we hold on to, uh, to the Bible as the word of God, we better start taking Jesus's words and God's word as a whole, as well as the Apostle Paul's words. Seriously, since Apostle Paul himself was commissioned by God himself to speak on his behalf. Okay, guys, uh, I'm going to, you all going to think I'm like a parrot, you know, just parroting away the same thing over and over again. But uh, it's, this is because it's, I just find it very mind boggling that people say all roads lead to God or heaven and, and they fail to see that firstly, all these founding religions, um, they first contradict each other. And then secondly, they have different foundational understandings. And then thirdly, they preach love. Okay. So in all these three points, what are your thoughts that, you know, when they say Christianity is the same with, with the other faiths out there in, this, in, in these three points that I've just mentioned? I think uh, Steve Turner, an English journalist, I think he said it well in his satirical poem. I first heard it in one of Ravi Zacharias's uh, lectures, uh, but I think this is a good way of uh, of talking about this uh, idea that you know all these religions seem to be the same, but fundamentally there are a lot of differences. Uh, so in the satire, you know, we can actually see the irony of the twenty first century. Uh, just taking a bit of the poem, it says Jesus was a good man just like Buddha, Muhammad, and ourselves. He was a good moral teacher, though we think his good morals were bad. We believe that all religions are basically the same, at least the ones we read worse. They all believe in love and goodness. They only differ on matters of creation, sin, heaven, hell, God, and salvation. We believe that after death becomes, comes the nothing because when you ask it, what happens? They say nothing. If death is not the end, if death have lied, then it's compulsory heaven for all, excepting perhaps Hitler, Stalin, and Genghis Khan. We believe in Masters and Johnson. 
what's selected is average, what's average is normal, what's normal is good. We believe in total disarmament. We believe there are direct links between warfare and bloodshed. It is our, we believe that man is essentially good. It's only his behavior that lets him down. The fault is, this is the fault of society. Society is the fault of conditions. Conditions are the fault of society. We believe that each man must find the truth that is right for him. Reality will adapt accordingly. The universe will readjust. History will alter. We believe that there's no absolute truth except the truth that there is no absolute truth. We believe in the rejection of creeds and the flowering of individual thought. It chance be the father of all flesh. Disaster is his rainbow in the sky. And when you hear state of emergency, sniper kills 10, troops on rampage, whites go looting, bomb blast school, it is but the sound of man worshipping their maker. I think that displays the irony that we have here. It also reflects the points that we have. Um, talking to directly to the three points that you brought up, um, do they contradict each other? Yes, I think the poem uh, uh, very artistically and satirically shows that very clearly. They have different foundational understandings. Yep, the uh, something is just like in postmodern art, uh, the stairs go nowhere, doors open to walls, windows, uh, windows are painted on walls, and therefore there's no reality, you know. And I love the way Ravi asked the question, you know, they did that for the inside and outside of this postmodern art definition of, of a house. But I wonder, would they do this, dare do the same thing with the foundations? And yeah, I think if they did that, the whole thing will crumble, just like their worldview. Preach love. I think the only problem that they, that they have is when you say you love someone, when you say yes to someone, you infer no to everyone else, especially when the person who we are called to love demands exclusive love. As is consistent in scripture about who God is, I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God. And therefore he is calling us to focus on him. So yeah, I mean, looking at all these uh, uh, evidences or reasonings that we see in the millennial generation, um, they've found a lot to be wanting. And I'm looking for an answer, although I think I know the answer already. I just hope we come to the same conclusion that it's in but Christ and Christ alone. Yeah, and and I must say, Mark, Mark actually summed it up really well. And there's nothing more I can add, add on to that because um, whatever we've mentioned uh, throughout this whole conversation has been, you know, I, I, I think it kind of answered this, this question some, somewhat. Like, yeah. and, and I think Mark's question, of course, uh, is, is really comprehensive enough. Yeah. And there's really nothing more for me to add on to it. Okay, thank you, Zerna. So anyway, so I've got... Um, a closing thought, but more like a closing question to, to the listeners out there. So what evidence do you have for your faith in your part or many parts to heaven? And are you confident enough in your theory to stake eternity on it? Those are brilliant questions to you to begin with to our listeners. Good. While our listeners are on reflection, uh, we'll come to an end of our conversations. But... If you have any thoughts or you have any questions, just personally write to us at explainconversations at gmail.com. I repeat, write to us at explainconversations at gmail.com. 
Also, follow us on Instagram at Explain Conversations and please subscribe to our YouTube channel and like our Facebook page, Explain International. Thanks for tuning in with us and we'll see you again for the next episode.